Billy, what's wrong with the car? Uh-oh, I think it's broke. Look, that thing there is all swoped up. We, we got a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. We can find out. I think we should just start poking stuff. Oh, all right. All right. don't do that, folks. Tune into the Grease Gurus. Don't go to the emergency room. Go to the Grease Gurus and learn why your car might have stopped on the side of the road and what not to touch. On Saturday mornings <laughs> from 10 a.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Ouch, that hurt! <laughs> You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Is everybody in? Everybody in. The ceremony is about to begin. Bobby Krieger, the top player. John Densmore, percussionist, 22 years old. Far out. Uh, Pamela Morrison, ornament. Raymond Daniel Manzarek. 1, 2, 12, 39, position. Name, occupation? Uh, Jim. On a day, you know the day destroys the night. Sides are being chosen. The planet is screaming for change, Morrison. We gotta make the myths. The Indians say the first shaman invented sex. They call him the one who makes you crazy. I'm the lizard king! I can do anything! Jim Morrison. The god of rock. at Network have told us that they have a little problem with the lyric, girl, we couldn't get much higher. They asked if you could say instead, girl, we can't get much better. Can you dig that? Girl, we couldn't get much higher. Love it when you sing to me. I'm the poet and you're my muse. Drinking blood. Mr. Morrison, you've gone too far. You're a poet, not a rock star. What you gonna do for act three? say I was testing the bounds of reality. Hello out there. Peabody and Sherman here. Set the Wayback Machine. We enter the Wayback and we're immediately hurtled back through time and space. Hey, this is Ted Nugent celebrating the American dream on nostalgic radio and cars. Welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Video and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. I'm actually waving. I think we're on YouTube, right? Hey, Vaughn, how are we doing tonight? Hey, don't forget to uh, check out our website, Gulfstream Motorsports. Pretty good, pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And uh, if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out our archive page, Nostalgic Video and Cars, which is located on our website. we got a great show for you tonight. We have... A returning celebrity. Oh, yes. Music celebrity coming on tonight because, uh, hey, I'm into music. I'm feeling good. So let me tell you about we what what, about, about, what went on this past weekend. We had, yes, the Clearwater Superboat races, the Hooters Clearwater Superboat National Races. And, uh, wow, it was pretty cool. I mean, we actually had probably some of the best weather we've ever had. 
And uh, so Friday night, we were down there, and uh, I came strolling in there, and some of the boat guys were there, and I talked to uh, Rob Understall, and Rob was the guy that was running the CR boat in Superstock. He was there. So while I was sitting there talking to him, they were all setting up for the parade. So guess what? I just jumped on the boat, hung on the front, and started throwing beads. And we had a little downtown parade. It worked out really, really, really well. I think we went through three bags of beads. So a lot of people were wearing bags, bags. Wearing beads, probably some that I chucked off the boat too, but it was pretty cool. We had a lot of boats. We were, I think, like second or third from the end. I think the Hooters boat was behind us, and then one other boat. And then, of course, the Clearwater's finest were bringing up the rear, and the and their undercover Mustang, their undercover Charger, and their undercover Camaro. So, Vaughn, you watch out now. If you're out there speeding around in that uh, cop car lookalike you got out there. You know, your wheels are going to be a dead giveaway, but uh, they got a black Camaro, a black Mustang, and a black Charger, and all three of them have regular conventional license plates on them. So that kind of fooled me there because uh, the Camaro, I knew they had the Mustang and I knew the Charger, but I wasn't, I didn't, I've never seen the Camaro before. So watch out because uh, they'll be looking for you. Anyway, and then, of course, the party in the evening, which was put on by Baystar Restaurant Group, our good friend Chavez, Mr. Chavez, who's also one of the promoters of this event, the Clearwater Superboat Races. Now, I think it was the 10th year. Just, I got to tell you, it was really cool. This time, it actually was laid out real, real well. Last year, they put it up here in the middle of uh, whatever that little thingy is down down Clearwater, and it turned out to be really, really bad because it rained and it got stormy, and it was kind of a nasty day. In fact, it was so nasty that day, I think they even canceled the parade. But this year was excellent. The tent was set up in a perfect location, and uh, it was crowded. Food was good, everything. The next day, I went uh, wandering down there, like around, oh, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock, and uh, normally I get there a little bit earlier because I'm always there for the driver's meeting. Um, but this time I didn't. I had something I had to take care of in the morning, so I didn't. But anyway, I was there at 10 o'clock, so I went over to visit some of the boat guys and uh, checked out the uh, Dubai boat. The Dubai boat, there's two boats there. There were victory boats, victory team, team victory. One was uh, Chevrolet-powered. <sighs> okay. And the other one had two Lamborghini engines in it. So... The guy was nice enough to, on Sunday to pull the covers up for me so I could take a look at him. So he's got those 8.2 liter, you know, 500 and some odd horsepower, almost 600 because I think it was 1,100. So 550 horsepower uh, Lamborghini engines. And uh, that's pretty impressive. I mean, they're state-of-the-art Lamborghini engines, fuel-injected the whole nine yards. So uh, look pretty cool on the boat. They're real popular in Europe, naturally, but uh, not so much over here because Mercury Marine is pretty much dominates with uh, with big blocks. Anyway, so uh, I was hanging out with my friends over at Geico, and Keith was the uh, – Gary was busy doing something else. He sold the uh, 38 cigarette top gun a couple of years ago, so they didn't have a – let's call it a uh, uh, PR boat, as you would. And uh, so they had what they called a P1 race boat. Now, P1 is a kind of like a spec racing um, class for – 27, 28-foot boats, and they all evenly powered, all the same hulls, all, uh, you know, it's basically like little spec racers, you know, in the car world, like we have spec racing Miatas and spec racing Volkswagens and spec racing whatever, so all the cars are, the only thing that's different is the driver, and you can tweak on just a little bit, like maybe the, the gearing and props and stuff like that, and maybe sand the bottom of the hull a bit or something like that, but for the most part, they have to all be standard, so anyway, so we went out in their P1 boat, so I just shoot it, I did shoot a couple videos while I was out there, and, uh, well, because this was on Saturday, which was Test and Tune Day. So Wake Effects was out there running around. MyCon was out there running around. And uh, somebody else was out there. I can't remember who it was. Uh, the new boat that used to be the old uh, Sintas boat. Sintas, Sintas, something like that. And uh, shame on me for not remembering all these names. But at any rate, the guys had a great time. And uh, but, So we were out there for easily an hour cooking around. And uh, so the P1 boat, eh, with a 300 horse on the back of it, probably runs about... Just short of 70 miles an hour. and uh, But it was nice and smooth, and it was fun. It was really cool being out there. You know, when you're out there in the water, i got to tell you, I can really see why people come to Florida. If you've never been here before, you never had a chance to really experience the water, if you've never really experienced boating, you know, you come out there and you go, wow. And if I was a real estate guy, if I was a real estate guy, I used to be, I would definitely throw somebody in a boat and take them out and just give them uh, a tour of the area up and down the uh, outer coast and the intercoastal 
to give you not, not not necessarily that everybody's got a huge budget and they can afford a water a waterfront home, but just so you get an idea of what the area is like. So you know, if you do buy yourself a, a a reasonable, affordable boat or any kind of boat or something within your means, you can launch that boat at any number of boat ramps, Beller boat ramp, Seminole boat ramp, uh, Tarpon boat ramp, um, Largo or Seminole. Way down there, there's a another an in Seminole. I mean, down that far. Because uh, we have the Seminole boat ramp right around the corner here from us. I don't know why they call it Seminole. Because I guess it's all Seminole Avenue. and uh, But it's really the Clearwater boat ramps. And uh, actually, there's one on Clearwater Beach, too, uh, down by the, the uh, youth center. Just a single launch, but uh, you can you know drop a dinghy in the water down there. At any rate, uh, yeah, you know, you cruise around in the water and you whip around Island Estates and around the intercoastal there and up towards Tarpon and Dunedin and down towards Largo and Seminole and Indian Rocks and... And Redding Shores, it's just, it's really cool. And uh, so, I mean, waterfront, uh, water, coastal, water sports, fishing, I mean, we've got it all here, you know. And like I said, this weekend, it was the ideal weather. Sunday, I rolled down there, and I was hanging out with my friends, uh, Andy and Doreen Caudell. Doreen happens to be the vice mayor of the city of Clearwater. Andy and I go way back as kids when we used to street race back in the day in the 70s. So we're longtime friends, and I was out on their boat, and uh, I got some pretty good pictures. I haven't got them all uploaded yet, but uh, I got a really good shot of seeing the, wa- the the races from the water. Normally, I'm up in a hotel, or once in a while, I'm in, I'm in a boat. But a lot of times, for the last for two of the races, a couple of the races, I usually stand out by the pier. But they just kind of uh, crowded us out there. They don't give us all the media exp- uh, media room like we used to have, so it's kind of hard to get some good shots when everybody's standing along the railings. So this time, it worked out really, really good. The first race was good. I didn't see that. I saw the guys talk to someone. The second race was really good. In fact, uh, CR, um, Rob Andersall, who was on our show last week, won in his class. He wasn't sure where he was going to be. He was hoping just to finish and do and place well. Well, to his surprise, he actually won his class, so that's good. And that helped him out in the points standing. And then uh, in the last race, the Super Unlimited class, there was five boats. The two boats from Dubai, which uh, Gary um, uh, Ballou was driving. He was actually driving the one with the uh, Lamborghini engines in it. So those two boats were just actually kind of lagging along. And the real fight was between uh, Wake Effects and uh, the Geico boat. And Geico basically just ran off and hid. I mean, it wasn't even a race. And eventually, eventually, it looked like Wake Effects was kind of catching up because he pretty much had, uh, had the power. No question about that. And there, we're all sitting out there, and, and race is going on, and I think there's like six or seven laps left, and all of a sudden the race stops, and nobody could figure out why. Well, I had my handy-dandy, trusty little uh, you know, smartphone here, and uh, so I Googled it real quick. Actually, one of our listeners, Radio Rob, thanks, Radio Rob. Radio Rob calls, leaves a message on my phone and says, the, before it even hit the media, he goes, oh, the race has stopped because uh, somebody was swimming out in the path of the, of the race boats. Which they, which determined later, which was determined later that he was poo-poo faced and butt naked, and he was out there swimming around. So uh, Clearwater's finest managed to uh, net him and reel him in. And uh, but anyway, the race ended, and that was the end of that. So, but uh, so it's pretty much Geico took took the lead on that one, from what I understand. Anyway, I think what we're going to do is we're going to fire up the stereo here a second, um, and uh, we're going to play a song that I used to hear on my transistor radio. Way back. No, 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 no. This is the new song from Mark Farner. We played this last year. Now, uh, Mark Farner, as everybody knows, is uh, one of the founding members of Grand Funk Railroad. Really one of the all-time best bands out of the late 60s, early 70s. Let's say pretty much the 70s. And uh, one of the songs that I used to listen to all the time was uh, We're an American Band. When that song came out in 1973, I used to beat around a street race a lot with actually my friend Andy and uh and my favorite squeeze back then and uh I used to listen to that song in my uh, 72 Ranchero GT which I still have guys so you know when I get in that car and I fire up the stereo I throw in my Grand Funk Railroad cassette because it's got a cassette player in it and I listen to a little American band but here is a new song by Mark Farner and it's called Can't Stop hey you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars don't touch that dial Remember, you can't stop. Can't stop listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars and Mark Farner. Can't stop thinking of you. I can't stop. 
Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Okay, we're back. You tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and as I'm trying to find my glasses here, I got everything all mixed up. Anyway, all right, so let's go to the Florida Car Show Minute. Let's see what's going on this uh, weekend. Well, all kinds of stuff. So, again, if you want to find out where all the car shows are in the state of Florida, definitely check out the Florida Car Shows Minute. Now, the big event coming up for me, for moi, if I can make it out there, hopefully, is SEMA, and that's in uh, less than a month. Actually, 30 days, less than a month. It's the first weekend in uh, – in uh, November every year. It's in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it promises to be bigger, better, and badder. You know, it's interesting because when I was started going out there, probably in the early 2000s, so I've been going out there almost eh, 15, 16, 17, 18 years, something like that. And uh, in the early 2000s, it was crowded. Um, when the economy kind of tanked in 2011, 2012, there was a crowd. In 2013, it started picking up a little bit more. 2016, 17, it is just unbelievable. I think they've got record, record, record attendance. So if you've never been to SEMA, you need to put that on your bucket list. And that is certainly the place to go because anybody and everybody who's worth a diddly in the automobile industry will definitely be wandering around there because it's certainly the place to go to. This weekend, hey, if you're a swap meet junkie, a parts junkie like me, Sumter County swap meet. Coming up on the uh, 20th of October... What used to be the Lake Mirror Classic is now called the Mid-Florida Auto Show slash or and Lake Mirror Concourse. And uh, let's see, our good friends up there at HSR, that's Historic Sports Car Racing. 
They got their big vintage race on October 25th through the 28th in Savannah. And then when we get back from SEMA, Cigar City Concourse, November 11th. So uh, some of that stuff is on our website, and uh, that's where we can find a lot of the stuff. And I think what we're going to do right now is we're going to fire up that stereo, and I think we've got another song on here. And obviously, since we're kind of car people, I think this is an appropriate song. It's called Vehicle by Ides of March. Hey, you're tuned into the Nostalgic Radio and Cars on Touch That Dial. We'll be right back with our special guest for the evening. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening, the man with the rock and roll soul, the founding member of Grand Funk Railroad, the legendary Mark Farner. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brother Robert, I'm doing, but not mill doing. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, hey, congratulations on that new song. I was really thrilled when uh, your publicist sent that to me because we played it last week on the radio show. I played it again today. All and right. uh, Thank you, buddy. It's got a real cool, nostalgic 70s feel to it, and I dig it. You know, So it's groovy. Awesome. Well, that's, that was the intention, and, uh, and those guys uh, from Fantasy Camp, they – they love my music so much that they uh, they came up with that and they said, you know, 
uh, you were our inspiration, and if you could possibly do this, and I worked with him at fantasy camp, so I, I knew him quite well because I, I did like three or four camps with him, and, uh, and it turned out really good because they're just really down-to-earth good guys, and they're great musicians as well. Now, tell us, yeah, I wanted to get into that a little bit. Now, I've seen, I'm on LinkedIn every once in a while and some of the other social media, and I see, I forget, can't, I don't know the girl's name, but uh, I linked, in with, linked up with her, and then I think there's another guy, but his last name begins with a B, Bose something or other. So tell us about Fantasy Camp. What exactly is that? Rock and Roll Fantasy oh, Camp. Right. Is, uh, it's over in, right now, the, uh, the head is in Las Vegas. It's, it started in, uh, in New York City. Uh, with uh, David Fishoff, who who did all of Ringo Starr's tours, and he you know he's been in rock and roll a lot of years, and and he came to me and said, hey, I got this idea, and I wanted to know what you think of it, and he told me about Rock Camp and and about bringing campers in, and then the that the uh, all the guys, the personalities, and the gals that are in the uh, rock bands are the counselors. And they counsel a certain amount of this uh, total group that comes for rock camp. And there would be maybe uh, 10 bands, you know, formed from all the people that come. And everybody plays, and they, they see what you do. You play a bass or a guitar or, or dr- keyboards, drums, whatever. And you, uh, you're kind of rated by the counselors uh, and put in a different... Um, you know, area, and we kind of swap things around and, and make bands out of these people. And then there's competitions at the end of the camp, and it and the camp lasts can last up to five days. I know most of them are now like three and four day camps, but uh, five day camps are cool. You you know, you get to hang a little longer and get to uh, you know be real with these people, and it's great because the the campers that show up are. All, all fans, of course, but uh, Fishoff is such, he's a big-hearted guy, and he'll give free uh, camps to people, be, you know, because they can't afford it or something. They write them, and, and he had this 82-year-old gal that came in, man. She she was a hoot. She got up, she <laughs> just played that, the tambourine, and, you know, and you get on stage, and uh, Roger Daltrey walks out, and, and your band is there, and he's singing, and and they're taking a video of this, and then you take it home and show your friends that you've been on stage with Daltrey. I mean, all these rock stars. But uh, it's part of the whole thing. But for the for the counselors, it's rewarding in that we get to hear the stories from the fans that they tell us when they started listening. This song is what got me hooked. And, oh, I, I bought that album, and I wore that sucker out. You know, uh, It's just a really good time. And uh, I, I, like I said, these guys, I got to know them really good and, and by doing like three or four camps with them. And then when they called me, uh, Ken Van Wagnen, the guitar player, he said, dude, we got this idea to do a video and we got a storyline in it and we got everything. It's all set. All we need is you. And I said, what? And, and But they, uh, they liked my music and they were uh, influenced so much by it they said you know this is you this is your style man and this is us playing your style but we need you to sing it <laughs> so i went out man they treated me like uh you know first class all the way and they're great guys and it was a, a wonderful time i had fun doing it and and people are liking it people that see it are just really liking it. it's got a lot of views already on youtube so as far as the camp's concerned, so if it was just an average guy like me that's uh, just kind of like a quack musician, so I could sign up for the camp and I could experience the whole thing and then maybe hone in some of my skills and maybe jam with some people? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, that's wow. what it's about. And w- when you get on the fantasy camp uh, mailing list, they give you uh, advance notice of who's going to be at the next camp and the next camp, who, who, who the uh, counselors are going to be and the names that will be and they they do everything from 70s 80s 90s acts you know right on up and it's uh it's always a hoot it's always a good time and uh i you know personally i love it because i get rewarded just by like i said being around these people and they're so uh adoring you know they just love us 
And why not be around people like that, eh? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that about, you know, those guys really dig your song. I was just talking earlier on the air. Back in 1973, um, I, your song came out, American American Band, right? Uh-huh. Or an American Band. And I had a 72 Ranchero GT back then. And, of course, I would tool around town. I was a... I was a uh, a street racing addict. Okay, I was really big into street racing back in the day. I still have that car, and I was joking. And I was saying, I'm gonna next time I take that car out, I'm gonna take my Grand Funk uh, A track or cassette, whatever I got laying around, and I'm gonna play that because we're an American band. I played it. In fact, the other one I used to have my favorite little squeeze with me, Locomotion. Okay, she dug that song, and Ooh, yeah. uh, so those are those are my two favorite songs that you did back then. But well, you know, I appreciate that, brother. Seriously, and uh, you know, and your your version of locomotion was really better than uh, than than the, the original. And uh, I can't remember the name little of the girls. Eva. Little Eva, yeah. yeah, right. Um, and well, the, I appreciate that too. Yeah, we rocked it a little more. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was uh, written by Carol King. Oh, was it really? Yeah, and Little Eva was Carol King's housekeeper, and Carol was writing this song, and Little Eva was hearing her singing the stuff, and then she started singing it. And Carol King said, hey, you got the voice for this song. Uh, we need to sign you up. And she took her down and uh, recorded her, and the rest is history. Now, where was that at? Was that up in Motown in Michigan? Or yeah, was that, that was, yeah. Oh, no kidding. That was in Michigan, yeah. No kidding. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, I, I was a kid. I was eight years old, and, of course, I was influenced by the Beatles like everybody else and Elvis Presley. So, naturally, that's when I first picked up a guitar. Not that I'm any good at it, but I, st- I st- actually still have my guitar. It's a Lyle, and it's a knockoff of an ES-335 because I couldn't afford a Gibson back then. But I was I was trying to figure out what you were playing in, in 69 and 70, that green thing with the Band-Aids all over it. And I'm thinking, that doesn't look like a Gibson. Since Kalamazoo's right around the corner, I figured you'd be running over there, and they'd be giving you a Gibson. Cause you, but you always played kind of like it didn't look like there were um you know big name like a fender or a gibson or a gretch or anything like that what kind of instruments did you play back then that was that first one was a messenger it had an aluminum neck uh-huh. that uh and and it was an a440 tuning fork inside the guitar it's that's the aluminum okay it continued on inside i don't know what the purpose for that was but it it made that guitar neck heavy so i mean if you let go of it robert it was taking a dive it's like gone (laughs) so it was a good workout but the the really the best part about that it had the built-in Jimi hendrix fuss tone dude oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, and i reached back and i hit that toggle switch bring it forward man i was hendrix dude (laughs) wow okay what was the next guitar you played the red one what was that one that was a micro fret and okay. that had an adjustable nut up on the headstock. You could adjust for like when you grab, if you got slinky strings and you grab an E chord, you go sharp on your G string. Uh-huh. You could lower that down to when you do grab that, it would stay in tune. I thought, wow, I do that all the time. I'm going to like having one of those. <laughs> what do you mean? It was like down tuning the guitar while you were playing? No, it, you, when you set the guitar up, yeah. you you squeeze that E chord, right, and then you can lower the nut because they were, they were each string had its own adjustment up there, so you could lower that back towards the headstock more, and give it a little more space to where when you d- hit your E, you weren't going sharp. Oh, it, so it's yeah. like it's like changing the action on the guitar then. Yes, it is. Yeah, it it, it just makes it a little longer scale. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, man. Now, what's the one you play now? That one you got today is kind of a, like a really kind of like a funky-looking thing there, but it's kind of cool. But you said you play that because it's a little bit lighter now. Is that what it is? Yeah. I had an operation on my neck in 96 or 95, was it? 96 was. And they fused a couple of vertebrates. But then the doctor uh, told me I couldn't play anything that was weighed over five pounds. I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> Dude. That's, I, I can't play my Strat, my Telly, I can't play my SG. I, I mean, Lord have mercy. He says, I'm telling you, man, you don't need to hang anything around that neck that's any more than five pounds. But when I was in Japan with Ringo, I had gone over to the Korg factory because when I show up in, in uh, Tokyo, I always go over there because I've been, you know, hanging with those guys for years and watching their developing uh, guitar pedals and the stuff, you know, trying it out and just... Uh, been friendly with them because they endorse me you know i endorse them and anyways i went over and i'm trying out pedals and the guy comes 
and he says, hey, have you heard of the Parker Fly? And I said, Parker Fly? I never heard of it. What is that? He says, it's a guitar. I'll get that. So he comes in, and he's got one in his hand, and he, he reaches out to me and to hand it to me, and I took it from him, and my hand went up in the air. I went, what? <laughs> that thing is like, and the one I... I picked up over there had to be four pounds. I think it was made out of basswood or something. It was just super ultra light. And, and so when I had this operation, I remembered, um, you know, the Parker Fly from Japan, and I called Parker, and they sent me guitars, and I've been playing them ever since. They made me a couple of hardtail customs that oh. doesn't have the whammy bar in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they have a unique tone to them. Mine are mahogany, solid mahogany with a neck through, and, and they're they're really a badass guitar. Well, for, so just so our listeners know, uh, like if you have a Strat or an SG, usually those guitars weigh between seven and eight pounds, eight eight and a half. Unless yeah. you have an old Kramer like I have, that's uh, with a which a tuning fork neck on it, and that thing weighs like nine and a half pounds. That's a heavy ass guitar. So, uh, yeah. but 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 you know what? It sits in the case year after year after year, and it never goes out of tune. So that's the yeah. whole idea between a, behind an aluminum neck and a tuning fork uh, headstock or something like that. But what I was going to ask you is like when you when you do your guitars and stuff, do you change pickups? Do you play with a lot of that kind of stuff and your bridge settings and and and, and or do you? I mean, do you set up your guitars, your guitars yourself, or do you have somebody do it for you? Well, I set them up as far as the distance from the strings, and okay. you know, and I uh, do the intonation. But when I got my axes from Parker, they were dead on, man. I mean, and the uh, fit and finish, because they were the early ones that were made in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, later on, uh, in early, I think it was 2000, may have been, they were bought out by U.S. Music, and then the quality of the instrument went down. They don't have the fit and finish. They don't have that, you know, get them, uh, play them right out of the box from the factory. You have to adjust them and uh, file down the frets on the side because they're kind of clunky, you know. But those <laughs> first ones, dude, they, they put out 30,000 good instruments in 10 years. Let I me... got two. <laughs> That's good. Now, let me ask you this. You mentioned you got an SG, and you mentioned you got some early strats, and, you know, so would you and, – and my stuff's like 70s also. So um, would it be fair to say and, – and, and a lot of the guys that I know like playing later mo- you know, new instruments and stuff. But there's something about an old guitar, the old wood. There's something about the sustain, the resonance. I don't know. Am I, am I imagining this thing or do you, do you feel the same way about some of the older guitars with the older woods and stuff that they used back in the day? You know, the alder and ash and whatever, whatever else and, and Gibson case, you know, mahogany and stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The seasoning of the instrument has everything to do with the nature of its sound, and especially when you get into acoustics and some of those older, um, like the George Washburns that they, they were made in the U.S., man, some of those things were sweet. I mean, loud guitars, holy crap. You know, I could uh, sing as loud as I wanted to, and that guitar kept right up with me. <laughs> wow, okay, good. Um I wanted to point out too, or mention that. Let's see, uh, you're touring now. Now, I was reading somewhere that you're touring with, uh, um, is it Jim Paterik? He used to be with Ides March because I think I played that song. He's wrote the original yeah. um, vehicle, and then I think he was a survivor for a while. So, are you touring yeah. with him a little bit? Well, we're doing the world stage with Jim. Uh, you know, coming up. And I've done it once before with him, and I did a cruise. We did uh, the Moody Blues cruise, and, and Jim uh, was on that cruise as well. And, and he does um, a lot of nice class shows. He knows what people like. He's got a good following, and he always brings in uh, people, you know, that are easy to work with and are family-oriented when it comes to musicians. You know how we are, Robert. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now, in, in, in this case, there was a, I was reading something where you play an acoustic guitar here with him in some cases. So are you, do, you, do, you, do you play acoustic a lot as opposed to electric? Yes, I do. I, in fact, I have an acoustic show and an electric show. And I just got uh, one of the Taylor uh, new design uh, they went to a V under the the uh, spruce top. Instead of the cross design underneath, the cross bracing, they went to a new V bracing 
that gives that guitar a whole lot more resonance off the soundboard, you know, that spruce top. Mm -hmm. And it is the only guitar that I've ever played that when you go up and, you know, any acoustic is just a little bit out. I mean, just a little bit as you go up into the 12th fret and beyond. Mm -hmm. But this one... You can go all the way to the end of it, dude. It is so precise, and there, there's just you can't hit a sour note on it. I mean, you know, once I, and I'm tuning uh, instead of A440, I tune to A432. Uh, 432 is is friendly to the human ear and to the human uh, structure. In fact, uh, my friend who told me about it in the first place uh, sent me a link, a video link where they played A440 at 120 decibels in front of a little kiddie pool through a, you know, a big loudspeaker, and it put chop on the water. It was A2 at um, A440, but they played A2 at A432, and that kiddie pool was like a piece of glass, man. I mean, calm. At, and the same 120 decibels was hitting it. I'm, I'm thinking, hmm, there's got to be something to this. So that inspired me to at least tune my um, acoustic guitar because that's what he was saying. Once you tune your acoustic to it, then you'll be convinced. And I was, man, because as soon as they, that string hits in tune at 432, it, there's harmonics start coming off. It starts ringing. The whole room fills with that thing. It's unbelievable. Interesting. So I, my band tunes to 432, and I have for years. And guess what? The original version of Ohio by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young is cut in 432. Oh really? Yeah, there's a lot of songs in four, three, two. When you the the guitar that you have, so the, in other words, your acoustic is that an electric acoustic or is it just a regular straight up straight up acoustic? The uh, the one that you you play. The Taylor that I just got. Yeah, it, it's an electric acoustic. Yeah, okay. it has the uh, components in it, but and it's a really nice uh, work around. Uh, they've got a bevel across that uh, the top edge where you're forearm would normally rest and, and lay there while you're playing it's got a bevel there so you don't it's not you don't leave a line in your arm and cut off the circulation while you're playing you know? oh so it's like a strat it's got a little bevel there then yeah yeah that's yeah. kind of cool yeah. when you when you write songs do you first write those songs and practice on acoustic or do you go right to electric or does it make make that much difference because yes, depending it does. okay tell us about that well the nature of the acoustic, uh, of course, is the nice, beautiful sound of a chord and uh, the, the wood, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's very friendly. And so um, I've written songs on acoustics, you know, but n not uh, rockers, not, you know, like uh, I Come Tumbling or something. I mean, <laughs> I do, uh, I rock on an electric and I'm encouraged that way. I'm, I'm uh, you know, inspired when uh, when my pant legs are moving from the air coming off that 15-inch. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so there is a big difference, but um, the the acoustic to me is more. You get into the singing and the melody, and and you're you're trying to uh, you know complement the sound of that acoustic guitar. And then when you're hitting the electric, for me, it's like man, so. Yeah, because I, I have to push a lot of air across these vocal cords to hit my notes, so they come out loud, you know. Uh -huh. And and I so I I do a you know I purposely uh, become the character of the song and get above that guitar with my with the my vocals, you know. And uh, it works both ways for me. Uh, but but when we do the electric show, it's very different from. Uh, the acoustic show. It's like I'm running around, I'm sweating. And in the acoustic show, man, I'm like sitting down at the piano, I'm over here playing the little congas or something, and we go back and forth on instruments, and I've got a bass player, and I've got a, another guitar player out of Windsor, Ontario, um, that plays with me. We do a three-piece acoustic, and people love it, man. You know, it's just like no drums, but we get a heck of a good groove going. Well, the thing about acoustic is, and I practice on an acoustic. I have just a little basic little Mexican-made little guitar that I bought from a friend of mine for 25 bucks. but it's got such a great sound. And it really is a, is a, um, it's a, not, it's not, uh, 
steel string. It's supposed to be nylons, but when my strings broke, I replaced it with, I just had some electric guitar strings laying around, so I threw those on there. So it's got a Mitch Max set of strings on it, but it's got, like you said, it's got a clear sound. It's reson- It resonates very well. It's the wood. I, I can't explain it because it's just something that, and oh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not a musician, musician, you know, like a hardcore like you are. I'm an enthusiast. I enjoy it, and it's just like I respect the instrument, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you have the appreciation for it. Just it's evident. But dude, try tuning it to A four three two. And if you got a little headstock tuner, like I use the Diodario uh, headstock tuners, they're really like micro small, uh-huh. but, the, but you can still see them. You know, not the tune, and they don't dampen the reson the resonation of the guitar. And you can uh, click it to any setting. I mean, I, I go, I click it eight times, and I'm at four three two. From 440 down to 432, and uh, there you go. Try it. Um, I think you'd be impressed, Robert. Okay. Now, when you when you you're talking about you know singing and 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 music, you did you really have any formal training, or did it kind of come natural? Did you kind of learn as you went along? How did, what made you such a good guitarist and a good good singer, and know the relationship between you, the guitar, and your music, and how you had to kind of you know put. Uh, Put out the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, convey the music, so to speak. You know, in other words, yeah. sing. I, it, for me, I don't read music. I did choir in school, and I played uh, tuba in, from the fifth grade to the eighth grade. And then I saw that the football players were getting a lot more attention than <laughs> <the> band members, <laughs> and I switched up and started playing. Uh, football, but no formal training. My mother got me um, six lessons and rented a K flat top uh, for me to learn on back, you know, when I was 15 years old. Uh-huh. And the, I took three lessons where the guitar teacher, um, you know, told me to keep your fingernails clipped. And they showed me how to tune the guitar, and I could hear the, you know, tuning it. And then he showed me the little little thing yep, like that. Yep, yep, yep. And, and so uh, that after the third lesson, he calls my mother. He was out pheasant hunting and shot himself in the foot with a 12-gauge, and he couldn't finish the lessons. He was, you know, he was laid up and told my mother to, to encourage me to go watch the band. The little, uh, there was a little rock band in my high school. He said, go watch them. And uh, they'll help you because you're learning by ear anyways, and it won't take you too long. And it didn't. And uh, from there, I just, uh, you know, I went to playing bass for Terry Knight in the pack. That was my first, you know, really uh, a gig that I got out on a big stage with people or bigger stage. Most of the time I was on the floor at a VFW hall, man, where they were having a (laughs) party or or a wedding reception. (laughs) Would you say playing the bass, starting out with the bass, or or working yep. the bass, actually helped you get a little bit more control with your hands and your fingers well, and moving around before I, you went I to really sixteen? I really do. Okay, I do, and I think that little stint that I put in on the tuba helped me with that bass guitar. Hmm. Yeah, or feel. Well, tell us about some of your upcoming events. When are you going to be in Florida the next time and do some uh, some concerts for in in our backyard? Well, brother, I don't know when it'll be, but uh, the people can go to my website, markfarner.com, and my tour dates are there. I'm doing some acoustic dates coming up. I start in uh, New York City on October 30th. Uh, this weekend, I'm in uh, El Paso, Texas, for a street festival down there. But uh, then we're doing a full band show at the Mount Pleasant Soaring Eagle in Michigan. Uh, but uh, we're at the cutting room there in New York City. And go on, we go to, to uh, up from New York, we go to, uh, what is that, Massachusetts next. We got two things in Massachusetts, and then uh, one in North Tonawanda, New York. We're, we're getting busier. And that video has really helped uh, with, you know, getting the word out and, and opening some new eyes to uh, who I am and what I've done. And, and I'm getting a lot of younger people, man, coming to my shows digging it and saying my mom and dad turned me out of you, guys. you know, like, <laughs> yeah yeah hey real I quick we, we got a minute or two left how often do you go to do you uh how often do you or did you do you still go to nam i do go to nam once in a while but boy over the last eight years uh, our son was hurt in 2010 and and uh, i just kind of 
stop going to NAM and I love going though, dude. It's like I want to see all that stuff. I want to play with it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, Mark, I, you know, I want to thank you uh, a whole bunch for coming on. And of course, the last time we saw you was a couple of years ago. You were here and you were in concert at Ruth Eckert and everything like that. And we'd love to see you back there at Ruth Eckert again. You need to go rattle Bobby Rossi's cage a little bit. Say hey, Bobby, yeah, man. You know? because they do the street thing. They do the Blast Fridays down here. That would be a great venue for it because Ooh. that's your audience. You know, yeah, man. And, uh, Absolutely, brother. So, um, but anyway, I want to wish you the best of luck. Definitely stay in touch. All right. And uh, thank you. Could I get you to do a liner real quick? Just, just for yeah, my, man. so say something like, "Hey, this is Mark Farner. Uh, you're rocking with Nostalgic Radio and Cars, or something like that." Okay. Go. Let her eat. We're live. Hey. Go ahead. Hey, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to Nostalgic. What is it? Nostalgic, nostalgic, nostalgic radio and cars. Nostalgic radio and cars. All right. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Excellent, excellent. I appreciate that. See right. now, now, now I can tell people we actually do this stuff live on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, right. yeah, if they want to find out more about you, MarkFarner.com, right? Or they can follow you on Twitter, the real Mark Farner, right? That's what it is. <laughs> not a, I'm not a Twitter. I don't do that yet. Oh, you don't um, do that yet? Yeah, somebody does it for me on Facebook, but I, I don't have time for that, brother. I'm really, I'm, I'm starting to have a little bit more time to do some of that stuff, but man, I've been busier than a one-eyed cat watching two rat holes. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, best of luck to you. Hope we see you on tour, and you take care. I want to thank, thank my special... Thank you, brother Robert. Knock him alive over there, brother. I will. I want to thank my very special guest, Mark Farner, for coming on our show this evening. In the meantime, all my listeners, don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tan Talk Radio Network, the most legendary names in motorsports and rock and roll. Don't forget to tell your friends, and I want to see some of the car shows. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your families. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WACF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.